This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And today, we're at Nutmeg Post as guest of our friend, Frank V. Now, Christopher Guest said of our guest today that when it comes to comedy, he has an extra gene. He's written for shows like Will and Grace, Cheers, and Seinfeld, written three novels, and worked with people like Steve Allen, Jonathan Winters, Bob Hope, Martin Short, Harry Shearer, Mary Tyler Moore, and Martin Mull. Please welcome our pal and the man with the world's funniest Donald O'Connor story, Tom Leopold. He left out Gert Frobe. Ah, that's always a problem. Gert Frobe. Consciously left out. Now, now I've been told that uh, Harry... First of all, may I say, Hmm. next to my children being born, this is one of the greatest nights ever, and I appreciate you guys having me. Sure, Tom. Your children were born? (laughs) Sure they were born. What are you you suggesting? I I thought they were... uh, Did they get shoulder rolled out of a car? (laughs) Yes. So they were actually born. born. Of course, the old-fashioned way. Oh. Yeah. How was that? I don't know. (laughs) I was busy that day. So our next guest, children, (laughs) were born. You got another guest? No. Oh, oh, that's me. Okay. All right. Our first guest children were born. Have you said my name? I know you said all this crap. Yeah, Tom Leopold. This was at the end of the intro. Oh, okay. We leave it out because no one knows who the fuck you are. (laughs) Would you say that I'm the least known guest you've had? I, I, you're certainly up there. (laughs) (laughs) No, not even close, Tom. I barely have heard of myself. Except, uh, I'm the, uh, the comedy writer's comedy writer, which means uh, often imitated, seldom paid. But go ahead. Yes. <laughs> so what do you do for a living? Well, I, I'm a comedy writer, Gilbert, and I've worked with you. And, and uh, gee, I've had the privilege of working with so many of my heroes, um, none of whom come to mind, unfortunately. <laughs> Gert Frobe. Now, Gert Frobe, you're handsome. <laughs> So, John Laguizamo, you're a talented man. Can you use? I like people's names like that where you can As just exclamation. John Luis Gazamo, that hurts. <laughs> Are we off subject? Yes. Can I just? Can no. I open with a question? No. Can I? Okay, can I guess? Sure. Open? Or sure. Is that not done? Go for it. Is it poo pooed? What? Okay. No, no that will <laughs> get to later. <laughs> I think you got to it now. Yeah. Actually, yes, thank you. Drifting over. Anyway, <laughs> quick question for you guys, no. Frank, Frankie, and, and Gil. <clears throat> if you could only. Take one of these two people to a desert island. Which one would you take? George Chakiris, George Maharis? That's a tough one. Wow, that mm-hmm. is a you know tough what? Think one. Think about it. We'll come back. Hey, I, I, this is a test I'm sure you know. Who was George Maharis? Whose dick was George <laughs> Maharis sucking in that uh, gas station bathroom? <laughs> I'm getting on in age. And when I... In, and, I for, and I forgets a bit. I forgets a bit. Because I drinks a bit. But anyway, if all else goes, I still know I'm going to be okay if I yes. can still remember the name Perfecto Teles. Nicely done. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Perfecto Teles was who George Maharis yeah, was, was blowing. Was standing in the shopping bag 
or in the tea room or what we like to call a men's room. A tea, it's called a tea room. Yeah, because yeah. they stand in yes. when they're in a stall, mm-hmm. one of them stands in a bag so they won't know another person's in there. I'm going to sit back down now. <laughs> yes. I couldn't hear I want to bring but yes. I couldn't hear myself. Yes. yes, that's right. So so for the folks at home um, and don't try this at home, by the way, because you don't need to try it at well, home. Because you you, you're home. You don't have a men's room stall You, you don't home. have a gas room, a, a, a gas station men's room in your house. Well, you're rich enough. You yes. could have one. I had one put in. Yeah. A dirty, Call filthy, Sunoco gas room. station men's room. Yes. Now, Perfecto Teles was a, was a uh, celebrity hairdresser? Yes. Or was he, he was, just a hairdresser? Because I think I had the information. No, well, I gave Bob Saget bad info. He was a celeb- celebrity uh, sodomizer. But not like not, Mon- not, not like Monty Rock. He wasn't a celeb- no, He wasn't a hairdresser no. to the stars. No, no, no. Oh, well, I gave I gave Bob bad information. Any chance of that was uh, blown when he blew, so to speak. Can I? Uh, yeah. So uh, cute, cute George Takira story. Uh, you're yes. probably sick of those. What yes. with the podcast? Yeah, so every guest oh, has a George okay. Takira. Could yeah. you could you tell us a Ross Tamblin one instead? <laughs> I wish. You know Tamblin. Tim, Tim, it was like when people said, I never forget, Tim, I, I, was, Tim. I was four years, this is how hip I was, yes, you know, in yes. no other way okay. but this, when I was a kid. Uh, I would watch the four o'clock movie. You, you going somewhere, Frank? No, just watch. Well, you, you watch? <laughs> time start. You got like a lunch or something? Go ahead. <laughs> Makes me feel good. Confident. Um, Can you hurry this up? <laughs> yeah, what? please. You catching a bus? Yes. Okay. 4.30 movie. All right. 4.30 movie, Miami, where I grew up. Bob Clayton hosted it. Who played the... The head bellman behind the desk in Jerry Lewis's uh, The Bellboy in oh, Miami, wow. Sean, Miami, my hometown. I actually drove by there with my parents. My parents drove me by to see the cameras. Do and you everything. know what I remember about The Bellboy? Out of no, it seems like he probably just got a lot of comics who were around working Florida at the time. Notenboro. So, but they had this one unknown guy, or maybe you know his name, and his whole big bit was pretending to be eating an apple. <laughs> Jerry Lewis runs into him and saw st- Bello. No, no, I don't know. I don't know. And and he just puts his hand like he's miming holding an apple and he goes that's just a good apple. I don't know. That was his shtick pretending to eat an yes, apple? Yes. Okay. It was it was that was one point and as a kid, I was thinking. Oh, I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I was watching it going, hmm, maybe when I'm older, I'll understand what's funny about <laughs> and, this and, part. And how'd that turn out for you? <laughs> no, no. it's still a still, mystery. Well, you still got a couple of years. You were starting to tell us a George Shakira story oh, before, okay. you went to, before you went to the bellboy. Well, this is, on, this is to get us. I heard George Shakira <laughs> once went to the bellboy. <laughs> I'm sure he saw the bellboy. Now this is only this story is get this story is kind of the bridge uh-huh. to get us to the the Shakira's <laughs> okay story. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we, we got the time. <laughs> um, I was. This is how I knew I wanted to be in show business because even at the age of seven, I'm watching the afternoon movie, and in those days, you know, they, they the guy hosting the movie who was the head bellman in. The Bellboy, which is Bob Clayton, who was a local TV personality, but Jerry hired him to be his boss in The Bellboy. And um, so I'm watching it, and he's talking about this terrible movie, B-movie that they're having on, and they would have birthday people come up. During the afternoon, the movie went on for six hours or something, and they'd bring somebody up to open a like a, yes. a, a, a treasure chest, and they'd bring on a birthday cake. 
And um, he says, now this scene coming up now, uh, Gwen so-and-so and William Lundigan. And you know, Lundy would always... And so he's name dropping. I'm seven, and I know what he said. And he says, and you know, Lundy had a habit of. And I'm going, what does this guy know from Lundy? I'm seven years old. This guy's a local TV Miami guy. You know, Lundy had a way that. I'm going, well, how does he know Bill Lundy? How now? I even forgot how the bridge. That's what, a hip how, kid. Yeah, pretty hip kid. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that gets us to Chikaris. There was another guy in the Bell Boy. Who ate a peach. Who, who is describing, <laughs> like, either astrological uh, gods or mythological, you know, whatever. And, and he goes, well, she's a ding-a-ling chick who swings with the— and he Yeah, I remember dis- that. And yeah. I, that's another thing. That's another I, little Chotsky. I had no idea what the hell— How about was. how weird it was that he's the bellboy in the hotel, then Jerry Lewis comes in the hotel. Oh, yes. Yes. What's going on? I had asthma and I was on medication. <laughs> and I thought, is this the medication? You know what I mean? I was, I was so—I had so much cortisone and, and uh, adrenaline pumped into my body. I have very bad asthma and— Things like that, like if ever a, on the four o'clock movie, a Busby Berkeley movie would come on with like a hundred girls oh. spreading their legs upside down, circling the moon with people dancing out of them. And it's like, I couldn't watch that stuff. It was too freaky. Busby Berkeley, who was the great choreographer of old Hollywood, once killed someone driving a car. <laughs> That's right. And, and I heard right. on the trial, a guy <laughs> testified for Busby Berkeley saying he was an the eyewitness. He said the guy had to come. No, oh. I don't know. He oh. he was like an eyewitness or a, or a doctor or some. And it turned out to be later on they found out he was a guy that worked for the studio. Interesting. Pretending to be an eyewitness. And and that's when you kind of your heart broke. And then yeah. and then Busby Berkeley was later <laughs> caught a in people. a men's yes. room. <laughs> Sucking perfecto colors. Perfecto. I'm running over another guy. Perfecto got around. Why don't you tell the Maharas? The he must have been some good looking Mahar- guy. Mahar- you got me going from Maharas to Shakiras. Why don't you tell tell us about uh, interacting with George Shakiras a couple of years ago? Did you write a book called <laughs> from going here, from, from here to Shakiras? <laughs> yes. I wrote a book called Hi, Shakiras. Hi, Shakiras. It's like one of those movies that's dubbed in Rome. Yeah. Yes. Hi. Didn't you reach oh. out to George a couple of years ago? And uh... oh, absolutely. Well, it's a long story. <laughs> it's not very good. Short well, no, the other start... one was a long story. He's trying to get to one story. <laughs> so Fine. Not, I that, this will make that story look great. <laughs> That's how great this story. How bad this story. Does it have anything to do with the bellboy? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Let's give it its head. <laughs> My. My pal, our pal, Paul Schaefer and I. Yes. We, you see this ring here? Not yes. you folks at home, but um, we wanted to make, get friendship rings like Sam Momo Giancana and Frank Sinatra had. <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> Sam Momo Giancana, the head of the Chicago mob, gave Frank, his pal, a, a ring that Frank wore and had a sapphire in the corner. And his ring, this is true, you know, because we all are into this stuff so heavily. And, and, and Frank's ring said, to Frank, love Momo, which was Sam. It was kind of his nickname, Momo. And uh, Momo's ring said, 
love Momo from Frank. So we decided we wanted to get rings kind of like that. So we're thinking, so I happen to like to look up stuff about George Maharis. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't hunt, I don't fish. Right, that's, that's, my, that's, that's your thing. You know, it's a much safer hey, hobby. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'd rather be shot, actually. <laughs> so I happen to be looking up um, George Maharis, and by, you know, you know, I don't believe in all that supernatural hoodoo. <laughs> but George Shakiras came up by mistake, if you believe in coincidence. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So and you Googled George Shakiras, but you, you Googled George Maharis, but you got George Shakiras. I got George Shakiras. Okay. The stars were aligned. Thank and God you didn't get Perfecto Teles. <laughs> I'm trying to get yeah. Perfecto Teles. I'd love to know what happened to him. <laughs> By the way, the bag is at the, uh, <laughs> the Sonoma Gasoline oh, Museum. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfecto, get in the bag, but don't, but don't squash the grapes. I'm having that provolone later. And anyway, so George Shakiris, and this is Paul. Paul says, well, I, we'll get a jeweler to make us our rings, you know. And I said, all right. And they kind of forgot. And then I get George Shakiris and it said, George, and, and among his other things, Academy Award winner and unemployable actor. <laughs> He's a very nice guy. The story is amazing. And, and uh, jewelry. He makes jewelry. So I call Paul up right away. I go, wouldn't it be amazing to get our rings made by George Shakiris? And Paul says, George Maharis? I said, no, no, no. <laughs> Good mistake, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Logical sure. mistake. Sure. George Chakiris. So I would love, but you see, I would love to have George Maharis make the ring because I love Route 66. And, and I've got about an hour story about Marty Milner that I'm going to save oh, for later. Very good. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Hang on can to that I one. Say, yeah. Can I just bring in my favorite actor? Yes. Lon Chaney Jr. did two episodes of, of Route 66. Yep. Yes. Yep. yes. Yeah. Which of you've, course. you've brought up on two different episodes yes. now. But it's worth mentioning again. <laughs> you can't bring that up enough. What was and, it? Owl's uh, Wing? Uh, Owl's Wing and then and, and, uh, Lizard's Tale. Lizard's Tale. And, and, and the other one, I forget the title, but he plays like this hillbilly father right. of George Maharis. That's right. When they, you know, because Buzz, uh, George's character, <clears throat> excuse me, was an orphan. And they're driving through, all of a sudden they're driving through Alabama and all these hillbillies come out and they all look like George Maharis. <laughs> <laughs> and Perfecto Teles. Weird. That's <laughs> strange. Enough. That's strange. Kind of a forecast. Of, <laughs> and, and. Oh, so go, go ahead. ahead. No. No, also in that episode is the actress Betty Field. Oh, yeah. Who worked with Cheney and of my son. Oh, men. that's right. Was that just a wonderful, uh, a, a beautiful accident or? Uh, or I don't. He, they I'll do no it, but you gotta, together. you gotta, you also have to hire Betty Field. I'll do it. <laughs> that's, she that won't your, read. That's your Cheney Jr. I don't yeah, know. He <laughs> sounded like an old Jew. <laughs> yeah, yes. You gotta. I'll do <laughs> it. You sound like Jack Gilford. I'll do it. <laughs> but I get to take the centerpiece home, and Betty Field has the. <laughs> so you're getting the yeah. friend. You want to get so, the friendship rings. So basically, so, thank you, Frank. Lon Chaney sounded like Charlie Callis. <laughs> He said, Sandra, I, I want to talk to <laughs> I want to talk to <laughs> <laughs> the tongue. I want to talk. <laughs> uh, so we want to get, so I call Paul up. I'm very excited. George Kiris makes jewelry. And, you know, <laughs> he didn't seem 
as excited as I am. Anyway, but so he says, I said, he'll make them imagine we, not only can we say we're half ring, rings like Frank and Momo, but it's made by George Takiris. Can anything be more, you know, unimportant? <laughs> Except for like eight guys and laugh at this. So he says, all right, well, call him. I said, I'm not going to call him. You're the celebrity. You have to actually call George Takiris. So he, he has his guy at the Letterman show call George Shakiris's guy. You don't think Shakiris will hear this, do you? No. You don't think, you don't think <laughs> Shakiris? Anyone, anyone I don't will hear think it. anyone in America <laughs> will hear this. <laughs> so Paul calls me up. He says, look, come over to my house after the show. Shakiris is calling us. So I'm so excited. Wow. I'm going, he's going to call. And I'm nervous. But Paul, you know, Paul's used to this kind of celebrity. Yeah, it's George So by this point, we want him to make jewelry. And now we have to, like, make, you know, now we're already getting sucked into this thing. He says, well, <laughs> well he says, well, you know, I don't really make rings. He has dogs like this. I only make rings. <laughs> he has. You know how he talks. <laughs> he <laughs> sounds he has, like Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> a waspy, a waspy Lon Chaney Jr. So... He says, I just make these medallions. So now what are we going to do? Not buy the medallion? So we say, yo, really? You're not going to make? No, I can't make rings. I said, well, okay, we'll take the medallions. (laughs) And and they look like like, like, uh, Ming from Flash Gordon. Ming the Merciless. (laughs) Yeah, a huge, like two-ounce triangle with arrows. More like an amulet than a medallion. More like an ambulance. Yeah. And, <laughs> and one, one was Eros, you know, very kind of uh, homoerotic, let's say, but very heavy so that when you leaned over and the thing swung back into your chest, it could just take you right out, <laughs> you know? So we get these things. And then I have to tell my wife, I said, well, he doesn't make rings, but we bought some, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, uh, medallion. Medallion. She said, oh, okay. And I said, oh, it's going to be $500. Go, what? Said, what? <laughs> it's going to be $500. What? $500. I have to pay George Shakiris $500. Oh, jeez. For their medallion that we never were born since. But anyway, but then I say to him, George, will you send also a letter? Because now I'm thinking I'll get the letter and I'll hang the medallion in a frame. And, right, sure. And it'll, my kids can sell it for like, you know, <laughs> kindling. <laughs> they can sell it for kindling money. It's a conversation piece. <laughs> yeah. It's an Oscar winner. Yes. So, uh, Anyway, we don't have these. We got the rings made, and we had them made half California. See, there has that's supposed to be California. That's we got these are horrible rings. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> and we a little sapphire. And mine says to Paul from Tom and my, his. But the thing is, that the great part of it is now George Chakiris is kind of our pal now, and he's we get a call from George Chakiris. Uh, Tom, first of all, thank you so much for remembering, and you're so kind to buy the. Medallions and and Paul was always pissed because my medallion had twenty eight grams of silver, twenty eight point one grams, and he just had twenty eight grams. George Shakiris was a wonderful guy. He got the Academy Award, but he was no George Maharis. Let's face it. <laughs> and so, in the middle of the thing, Paul is just like, you know, he can be kind of a dip. There's no George Grizzard for that matter. Well, no. <laughs> George, by the way, George Maharis does paintings. George Chakiris does jewelry. George Gazard does insurance. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so um, Paul says to George Maharis, George Chakiris. Wait a minute. Me. Huh? Was George Grizzard in that Twilight <laughs> Zone in, episode yes, with where Ron he Shaney creates? The third. No, he creates 
an artificial a robot version of himself. Yes. He was in a couple of them. He was in a oh, couple. Oh, he was also in one that had to do with the love potion. Yes. Where he was suddenly girls couldn't keep their hands off him. Yes. George Grizzard. Look, he was gay. Look so, it up, yes. folks. Yeah. And, and I think he <laughs> once blew perfecto talent. He was in a separate <laughs> gas station. <laughs> Well, perfect with, 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 with Primo Carnera. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Primo Carnera. <laughs> no kidding. So I'm looking at Primo Carnera on the web, uh-huh. and I see hey. George Grizzard. Hey. Huh, sorry. Um, Tom. Tom Lee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, know hey. from, uh, I, know, I know nobody knows who I am. You don't even know who I am. Oh. Yeah. Now, George Sakiris, Academy you. Award. Yes. He was like this incredibly handsome guy, great dancer. Yes, great dancer. I mean, he was extremely wonderful. talented, yes. extremely <clears throat> handsome. Mm-hmm. What happened after West Side Story? Well, good, uh, you know, he went to Europe and did a lot of movies over there. And he was on, he was a very good singer. And he was on with, who's that Greek? Melina Mercury? Melina Mercury. No, yeah. not her. Okay. <laughs> who's the one who wears the glasses? Maria Callas? <laughs> <laughs> Nina, oh, Ma- I Nina know Mascura. You... Yes, that's her. Yes, I know you Nina mean. Nina Mascura. Much which, younger. Which I wear just to bring out my eyes. <laughs> sure. You know, and I'm straight. It's attractive. Now, oh. you said that Chevy Chase <laughs> yes. once got lost somewhere. You were telling us a story. His car broke once. down uh, in the Hollywood Hills. Chevy <laughs> told me the story. Chevy Chase. And yeah. he said, oh, you know, he's had so much money at that point. This is early in the big stardom. He just left the car. He starts walking down the street, and the car pulls up. It's Paul Lynn. <laughs> Chevy Chase, get in his car. Whatever. However, I used to do a pretty good. I used to. I had memorized the Paul Lynn comedy album when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. But you're I not gay. I had an gay. old dog named uh, Blue. <laughs> uh, I could hit him, and he wouldn't care. Always kept him chained in the chair. You know, that's, <laughs> that was his act. Anyway. <laughs> So, 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 Paul Lynn gives Chevy a ride up to his house. Now, nothing untoward happened, but can you imagine if he, God forbid, because he was a drinker. He liked his drink. He, he's like his martinis, Mr. Lind, right? <laughs> what if they had gone off the cliff and the rumors would have, they must have been gay lovers or something, Chevy and Paul. You know, if something had, God forbid, happened then. And Paul Lynn yes. was, I've, I've heard it a few times that Paul Lynn was the most viciously anti-Semitic person <laughs> you'd ever meet. I thought you were going to say, huge pussy hound. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. that goes this without saying. This whole gay thing is just a front. I yeah. heard backstage at Hollywood Squares when the other people would be... Loving Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they'd be <laughs> loving Jews and telling stories and laughing yeah. and having a nice time. Paul Lynn would be bombed out of his skull... And he'd go, oh, those fucking Jews. They're the reason I don't have a career. Yeah. yeah. Why would they be the reason he doesn't have yes. a career? It's very strange. Now, Gilbert has no— Did he no... ever go into more detail? Yeah. <laughs> Gilbert has no interest in this whatsoever, Tom. Okay. But tell us, you started, before you were a comedy writer, you started out as an actor. I have no interest in this I have no You did Mannix. You did, we talked about. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. You sent a Gunsmoke episode. Oh, and Marshall Counselor Law. I did that oh. with Wayne Newton. Oh. Wow. All of a sudden we're on the set. I'm on trial. I'm testifying against Wayne Newton, who's supposed to be my high school, my college professor. Imagine having a college professor who has his hair like that. 
and the turquoise belt. Helmet. <laughs> turquoise belt and the and the and the spanks under his yeah. pants, you know? Yeah, and yeah. it's like one whole piece. It's the like pants, a body spank. The pants and the shirt. Yeah. Attached. Yeah. Like a jumpsuit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the the doors open on the sound stage, and I don't know what's going on. And, and this white Rolls Royce pulls into the set. And he gets out. He doesn't even park in the street. He parks in the set. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And, and you I, and you were oh. and you tell us about we talked about this last time. Tell us about uh, last time the one that no one heard. Yes, yeah. the pilot. Tell, tell us the pilot. Yeah. Tell us about doing a TV movie with uh, with Robert Culp called Outrage. Well. Um, I played. A, you were a young actor. I, I was. I played. I was about twenty-two. 22. You were like a thug. I'm always. Yeah. I was always a thug. In yeah. Mannix, I played the leader of a street gang named the Nomads. Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, hey. Jew, Jewish kid from Miami. I weighed 128 pounds. I'm from Miami. I'm. You know. I mean, I could huh? kick your ass. You that's could, how. Gilbert Godfrey could kick my ass. Yeah. That's they, how. That's they, what a pussy I am. They couldn't get Christopher Tabori. So they, <laughs> no, so, I was always. So they called you. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't make his number. I know? see. Yeah. Um, I, he was always getting the parts that we all wanted to get Christopher. What happened a, to him? He was in a lot of that Quinn Martin stuff. Yeah, and I would have thought you'd have Christopher on before me. We'll get he's <laughs> even more famous than I am. Uh, anyway, but but Robert Culp, uh, yeah, I was there with uh, Nicholas Hammond. He was in my my gang. The Sound of Music. Sound of Music, and uh, I would just I, my, the plot was I was just a, a spoiled rich kid who ran over his dog for no reason at all, just for kicks. He's a veterinarian, right? Like Johnny be? Cash. I shot a man just to see him die. <laughs> I ran over a dog. <laughs> not quite as not quite as macho, but anyway, and it was just you know it was a great job. And but uh, I don't remember what was my story. That he first... he was a kind of an angry guy. Oh yeah, told... a little bit angry. I think he he liked his martinis too because he was a little bit. Come the end of the day, he was Robert Culp. Yeah, and we used to just <clears throat> we were so pervert. We just would shake his trailer and say, "Wait, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, Mister Culp." <laughs> no, it's not a great story. And you also it's no charge to Kira's now. Story. So, yeah. was did he have an attitude problem or just a drinker? I just think you know everybody went on. Steve McQueen went on to the movies after Bob and Ted, Carol, Alice, and, and oh and yeah, that you know, and maybe he was a little that bitter, was a big that hit. That I have as big a part as him. Yeah, and I was working with <laughs> yes. this nobody. <laughs> You're working with yeah, a chimp. I'd be drunk too. <laughs> He's working with. He might as well work with a chimp. And he might as well get his head, his brain transplanted to a chimp. And you were in a movie that had nothing to do with Chucky the possessed no, doll. No, but you were in a movie called Child's Play. What was it? Child's yes, Play. Yes, it's better. It's more like it. I, I was, and now that it might be interesting to your listener. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> So far, nothing else has. shot. <laughs> hey, you know, what, what am I going to do? Be less, less in demand? That couldn't possibly happen. <laughs> I, go to, I go to read for Sidney Lumet. I'm, I was 21 years old. And I get the part in the movie in New York. And a really nice, two nice scenes in the movie called Child's Play. Not the one with the daughter, with the, child, no, the no. Chucky the cheese or whatever it is, Chucky the the robot. What was it? This took uh, a doll, doll, a murderous yeah. doll. Yeah, this took place in like a, a Catholic school. <laughs> it took place in a boys' Catholic school, right? Yeah. And we shot it in Terrytown, and so I get the job, and I say to Mr. Lamet, I say, you know, I'm 21 years old, and I'm just out of high school, like three yeah. years. You know, and I say, 
and I had one scene with one lead actor, a really nice scene, and another nice scene with the other lead actor. And I said, well, who, who's, the, who's playing these parts? Who's the stars? He goes, oh, well, James Mason's playing that one. So I have a scene with James Mason. And I said, what about the other one? He goes, oh, Marlon's doing that one. So I'm supposed to work on Monday. I'm working with Marlon Brando on Monday. And James Mason. James Mason, who cares? You know, but <laughs> it's, still not, it's not a, <laughs> not a, he's not a bum. It's not a bum, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't like do, you know, seen some James Mason movies as a kid. Like, <laughs> he did the waterfront scene sure. with the cab, you know? So all weekend, I'm working with Marlon Brando on Monday morning, first scene. It's like, it could be a nice little one-act play, you know? I mean, I was kind of thinking, who am I going to drop from my friends? You know, <laughs> who, who will be the first one I step <laughs> on, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where are the little people? Which which little people? Who are, are no which, longer worthy of hanging yeah, around with you because yeah, you're working with Brando. Too, I'm already too good for everybody I know, you know? <laughs> So I get to the set. They take us up to Terrytown in a in a convent, and there's all these nuns going around. And now they have like men's room taped over the ladies because there's no men's rooms in a in a ladies' convent. Well, you know that. <laughs> and I get there. And I go, you know, and I'm like, I can hardly eat all weekend. I'm ill. I'm just so nervous and crazed. And and uh, I said, well, where's Mr. Brandis? Oh, Marlon quit the picture on Saturday. I go, oh, geez. I said, Who'd they get? Robert Preston. They got Robert Preston. The music man. And I'm more excited now than I was for Marlon Brando (laughs) because I knew everything from the music man. And he was wonderful. So I do the scene with him, first scene. And at the end of the scene, I do my little scene. Turns out okay. He turns to the the crew and he goes, hey, everybody. You know that great voice (laughs) he (laughs) had? Tommy lost his cherry. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Tommy lost his cherry. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, hi, it was so sweet, Robert Preston. And I'm sitting there kind of waiting to do the next scene, the next day. And David Merrick, the big Broadway impresario, comes up. And I'm actually reading The Great Gatsby. I don't know, it's like the last book I read. Yeah. 1972. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I hear somebody say, what do you think of that book? I go, that's all right. And I look up, it's David Merrick. Sits down next to me. And a little later, he made it into the picture with Robert Redford. He was the producer of it. Sure. And I said, to me, but, but I, that was all in the future. And he said, what do you think? I, think, I don't know. Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I almost could have stopped that forgettable movie from ever being made. Yeah, it's not a very good one. And then Shakira's come. No. Okay. That was it. Now, James Mason once blew you in a men's room of the gas station. Yes. yes. Um, I'm just able to talk about it now. Yes. <laughs> He put something in my drink. <laughs> his balls. I think he put his balls in my drink. Now that I think of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm dip going to my, my balls in, in your drink. In your drink. <laughs> Always Jack Kennedy all of a sudden. It's a little cagney there. Like, I'm yeah. going to put my balls <laughs> in your drink. You, know, I was so thinking, I was thinking, you once blew James Cagney, I, I heard. I once blew James Cagney and uh, Edgar Buchanan. <laughs> really? I was the baloney. Show. I was the baloney in a Cagney Buchanan sandwich. Had a Brian Pat O'Brien, you in the ass once. He called my airline <laughs> on a bus. Really? Yeah. I, I should be ashamed of my feelings. No. I don't think so. You licked. You ate out. I licked Stubby Case Taint. What, is there something wrong with that? Huh? I'll never forget. Stubby's Taint. 
What? <laughs> oh wow! See, Not at all like you picture it. See, it wasn't at all the thing you picture when you picture be, I, when you picture Stubby Case Tank. Know what I mean? It was. Yeah. It was I have this, such preconceived notions. Well, of about. course, and this is before people like Stubby K bleached their tank. Did you ever? <laughs> yes. Eat out? Yes. Frank McHugh's <laughs> asshole. I. Frank McHugh story. Frank McHugh loved to cram ice cream in his in his in his sink. <laughs> Uh, maple walnut. If you really want to, you know, it's a little it's specific. Good for details. Uh, it's radio. Even... You want to be detailed in radio. Frank McHugh. It paints a nicer picture well, yeah. that way. Well, yeah. you got to paint a picture in radio. Yeah. <laughs> just for TV, we could show a picture of his wrinkly, hairy sack. <laughs> so you do the about, yes. You do the movie Child's Play, and yeah. you all. I love how Frank can get a fight out of sucking ice cream out of Frank McHugh's ass. Back on track. Somebody has to keep yeah. it going. Yeah. And you, 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 you tell us about some of the auditions you did. You auditioned for the part of Fonzie. I almost was Fonzie. And tell us about that. And when you think of that, if that had happened, I wouldn't have to be here right now. <laughs> no, no can you do, do, can no you do no, that's your not Fonzie true. audition for us, please? <laughs> we, we, we interviewed Henry, so that's not necessarily did true. Did I was auditioning He with? did. And did we interviewed yes. Mickey Dolenz. And Mickey Dolenz, too. I once, uh, you know, felched Mickey Dolenz. <laughs> the what? I don't know. Tell us about the Fonzie audition. Was it memorable? Did you see oh, Dolenz or Winkler? Uh, Dolenz was there too. Yeah. No, yeah. he wasn't there when I was. Yeah. I didn't know he was up for it. Yes. Well, it was after the Monkees. He Monkeys. was supposedly Gary Marshall's choice for the part because the Fonzie was supposed to be a big strapping also guy. Up for Sophie's choice. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Personal. <laughs> That would have been a whole other, other way to go. For Stingo. <laughs> no, for, for Sophie. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have a third choice Sophie could have made. But well, let's go. there's no time for that. Um, well, I knew Henry from New York. We had both been fired from separate plays in this one theater that had two theaters in it. Uh, I was in one play. Henry was in the other. And we both got fired on the same day from the same theater, from different plays. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. So... We were both up for this thing, and again, with my foreknowledge and my expertise, I thought, this is shit, too. Yeah. You know, great Gatsby. I had the nerve at 21 to say The Great Gatsby wasn't that good. And Gilbert's interested in this. You played Ted Knight's son. I did. In the Ted Knight did you ever show. See that? It's, I did six episodes yes. of Ted. Now, now, is this the one where he's like a cartoonist? No, no. Oh, that was no, the, that was no the hit one. Sir. That was oh, too that was close for comfort. That was, this was one that was so horrible. I played his son, Winston. Now, this is at the very beginning. AIDS had not yet uh, reared its cancerous head. <laughs> and he plays... First hey, of all, before you go any further, <laughs> Ted Knight yes. had a very small part in The Twilight Zone. And he was in Psycho. And Psycho. And uh, oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's right. Oh, that too. wow. I forgot about that. I would have yes. talked to him about that. Yes. Call um, him now. But you were the son. Son-in-law. Okay. Be a long-distance call, my friend. Yes. You- uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ted? Oh, he was a very nice guy. And uh, so I get this show. And talk about already not in any kind of reality at all. Ted Knight is the runs a escort service for straight men. And he had all these women on. One of them, no, it wasn't Maritz, Maritz but there's all these women. And he runs an escort service, like an up and up, oh, no, sexuality. You know, so it's like crazy. And I'm the teenage boy who, who just wants to make all these girls, right? And they did six, epi- six episodes of it, and 
That was, and then I, if you've seen them, you know why I went into writing almost immediately after. God, that, that sounds horrible. No, oh, God, it's horrible. Which brings me to the question: How did you make the transition into writing from acting? Um, it's well, I had started writing while I, I was writing while I was acting. I started writing at the Lampoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Lampoon at 21, me and Chris Guest started writing articles and, and then the radio hour, National Lampoon Radio. So I'd be off doing some play in Boston or the Arena Theater or uh, the Long War Theater and I'd be sending in this stuff. And I was so much more talented backstage being funny. You know, what am I, and I thought to myself in those days, I thought, what am I going to be, Uncle Bill on the Waltons? When I'm <laughs> what am I going to do? Where am I going with this? I was all right. Was, sometimes I was good. Sometimes I was too nervous to be good. And you're you right. You know, but I mean, what, what, this is what I'm going to, and I was so funny backstage. And I thought, you know, and it just sort of evolved, really. And then, um, gosh, Chris and I, Chris Guest and I did a pilot called Flakes. We played two old Jewish women on a tandem walker and uh, all this stuff. <laughs> And then, um, and then, really, the thing that really, uh, you know, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff, but the thing that really was a big break was Chevy hiring me to write his special, The Year He Left Saturday Night Live, and that was a big deal. The Chevy Chase yeah. special. Is that what it was called? Very good. You've yeah. Done, boy, you've done yeah. your homework. A lot of research. Yeah. You've done your homework, my friend. What was that like? Well, it was great, but how I got the job, well, I knew Chevy from the National Lampoon Radio Hour. You know, when we were up there with Bill Murray and Belushi and Brian Murray and... Uh, and, and so I knew Chevy from Bel- Lemmings. Belzer was around then too, wasn't he? Yeah, I didn't really. Uh, I really didn't get to know Belzer till later. Oh, okay, but uh, and Chris Guest introduced me to him. Actually, we've been good friends ever since. But so Chevy was gigantic then. You know, from, and Saturday Night Live. He leaves. He's the biggest star in the country. And, and he called me up. Well, one night, one day, we we're at a party at. Uh, this sounds name dropping, but. I don't know anybody outside. You've already dropped Rando's name. <laughs> I already dropped, dropped Shakira's. <laughs> yeah. Perfecto. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're at a, I'm at a, a loft party after Saturday Night Live in Dan Aykroyd's loft. And Chevy Chase comes up to me and he, he knew Chris Guest very well. They roomed together out in L.A. And, so, and he sits down next to me, Chevy, and he goes, I hear you're the funniest guy. And I just went, yeah. <laughs> and we thought that was so funny that I just said, yeah, without trying to be funny at all. And then a few weeks later, he leaves Saturday Night Live, and I get a call from him, and he says, look, Chevy, I, I want you to write my first special for NBC, but I only want you to do it if you can tell me that you actually said what, I, what I'm about to tell you that I heard you said. I said, well, what? Because uh, Chris Guest's sister's a really good friend of mine. We've been friends since we were teenagers, and I was doing this play in Boston, Moon Children. And she said, Tommy, can I come see your play? Oh, yeah. Can I stay with you? I said, sure. Can I? I'll stay three or four days. I said, stay three. <laughs> and he thought that was so he said did you say that I go yeah he says okay I want you to write my special and that's how I wrote and it. that was your first television gig no no I'd done stuff before okay. but but that was a, that was a, a big break. break yeah now yeah. Chevy is one of I've worked with him and I've I've run into him a few times and he's one of those people I can use that classic line of well he was always nice to, to me. me right now, because he's got the... Uh, well, he has that rep, but he's always yeah. been great to me. Yeah. Now, you you worked on uh, his roast. I worked on his roast. I worked on a few specials after that, after the, the pilot. Um, and I was in the first Lampoon vacation movie. They redid the... I had this really funny part where I was... Remember um, Eddie Bracken was Wally? In sure, Wally's sure. World. Well, the original ending was Chevy and his family... We're going to they just drive up to his mansion and 
want something from Wally. But and so I was Wally World's Wally's assistant, and Chevy holds a gun on me, and makes me tap dance, and I did like a whole tap dance, <laughs> and. Then the movie comes out and they go to Wally World instead. They cut the whole end of the oh, movie. Oh, it's too bad. They put John Candy in it. It was a better ending. But, right, yeah. right, right. What was the question? Did you, <laughs> did you work with Bracken? I took Eddie Bracken to dinner at Musso's. That's great. After the shoot that day, it was, he was great. He was great. There's a guy that probably had stories working yeah. with Sturgis. And... Interesting sack. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of detail. Tell me what you, when you picture Eddie Bracken's sack, what do you picture? <laughs> quick, quick. Don't think. Don't think. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Frank. And Steve Allen. Oh, I love Steve Allen. Tell us about working with Steve. Uh, that, you know, he was my idol when I growing up. I thought, God, how do you get that fast? You know, when we were kids watching Eddie, uh, Steve Allen. I love Steve Allen and Tom Poston and Don Knotts and Louis Nye. Louis sure. Nye was one of my favorite comedians in the world. So right after the Chevy show, I started to get all these, these shows like the McCoo and Davis Summer Hour. Like Oliver and I were talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marilyn, Marilyn the, McCoo, Marilyn McCoo and, and Billy Davis. From the, yeah. from the Fifth Dimension. First day on that, on that show, I went up to Billy Davis Jr. and I said, come on, what's the truth? Why did you leave Will Maston? <laughs> <laughs> and he went, oh, yeah. You know, but he didn't really like that I said that. Anyway, with Steve Allen, I just got hired to write on his show. Uh, he had, back in this point, it sounds like 1951, the Steve Allen Summer Show. But it was a summer show, summer replacement for six episodes on NBC. And I got hired just as a writer. And the first day of work, we're at a location at a movie theater on some sketch. That I, I don't remember even what it was. And I'm standing next to Steve Allen, who I adored, you know, everybody of my generation. He's like the letterman of my our generation. And he's very tall. He's like 6'4". And he had a little round Band-Aid on his neck, you know, like when you have a pimple or cut yourself shaving. So I'm standing right next to him, and I swear, I don't know where I got the balls to do this, but I just reached up high and put my finger on the Band-Aid in his neck, and I just held it there, and I went, Gwen, bring my car. Have them bring my car around. <laughs> Tell Tony I want a shave, I want my shoes, I want the manicure, the whole deal. And I just left it on there for a really long time. He just fucking laughed his head off. And then he puts me on the show because I, I, was, I wrote this piece for myself in it. And Catherine O'Hara was was a writer too and she they puts us both on and we ended up singing and dancing with Kay Ballard and Donald <laughs> O'Connor. Surreal. Wow. Yeah. And do we have time for a Donald O'Connor story? Sure. <laughs> we got about an hour and twenty minutes. And then we'll get back to more jewelry made from chicken. But um so Donald O'Connor, I mean way even oh better than Frank Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly, I love Donald O'Connor. Love Donald O'Connor. And that's what I really wanted to be. It was like one of those guys, you know. You wanted to be a hoofer? Yeah. I just wanted to be like Donald O'Connor. I don't uh -huh. know. And uh, he's, we're doing, Steve had us doing dancing and like a, a review with stools, like a Plaza Nine review. And this, it was corny. And, and Catherine O'Hara was in it. We were the two young people in tuxes and gowns. And Kay Ballard and Donald were, you know. It's like one of those bad reviews, you know, you know, like from gay bars to Zay bars, you know, one of those things you see in, in the early 60s, a Plaza 9 review and it was whatever. But so after rehearsal one day, Donald Connor says, Tommy, and he's like all through the day, he's smoking, chain smoking Marlboros and putting nitroglycerin under his tongue, nitroglycerin pills under his tongue and smoking. And, you know, and he says to me, Tommy, you know what? I have a gorgeous velvet jacket 
brown velvet. And I wore it in this picture with Marilyn Monroe. My name is still so- sewed into it from MGM. Donald Carter. I wore it in this dance scene with Mar- Marilyn uh, no, Marilyn Monroe. Is it no, no business like show business? Yeah. yeah. And I'm too fat for it. Now, I got it home. I'm going to bring it to you tomorrow. I go, my God, Donald Connors bringing me the Cody Warren. You know, it was like when I got the part on yeah. Brando. Yeah. Whole night I can't even sleep. And I'm thinking, this is just be the beginning of Donald Connor and my friendship. You know, the coach starts it off, and he probably has like a, you know, cufflinks that he wore. I'm already like, I'm already like grave robbing him, you know. And I'm so excited, I can't even stand it. I get to the parking lot at the studio early before anybody. I'm just waiting because waiting for him to pull up in his car so that it looks like I'm just walking by. I can't wait to get the car. Uh. So he pulls up, you know, and I get out. I make it look like I'm just kind of going in. I wasn't waiting for him. And he gets out of the car, doesn't have the coat. And he goes, hey, Tommy, hey, Donald, hey, Mr. Hey, Donald, yeah. Walks. Never mentions the coat again. And I never brought it up. And that's why I can't read. No, that's not. <laughs> so you never got the coat. I never got the coat. And people say, well, why didn't you ask him? I'm not going to ask him. I don't want to embarrass him. Wow. Now what do you, you make of that? What do you make of that? Gilbert, you're, you're into psychology. I stopped listening to the story a while ago. It, Let's get back. Let's it's get sort back of, to... It kind of dragged along and has no ending whatsoever. That's the thing All about right. that story. Me, watch, watch his eyes light up, Frank. Watch it. King Donovan. Okay. King okay. okay. Donovan. Huh? Yeah. Do I know how to get this? It's a very long story, <laughs> and then it's kind of like a joke that has no punchline. Yeah, no, well, you're trying to ask me, my Let's not talk about my career anymore. It's boring. Okay. Yeah. You've you've met Jerry Lewis a few oh, times. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, we went. Uh, Belzer became like his son. He even called it's him dad. So strange. That? It's so weird. It's so weird. What is happening there? With Belzer and Jerry Lewis, they're like a couple uh, yeah. now. Yeah, it's like a, the, the long lost uh, son and the dog, and the dog. Yeah, both of course, dogs. the dog's always got to be. Yeah, there. It, it, Belzer's a, a therapy dog. That it's not a therapy dog. You know, Belzer took his dog to see uh, Spam a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's with imagine, that dog every yeah, second. Imagine everywhere. you buy tickets for you wait a year to get tickets to Spam a lot, and Belzer's sitting there with his dog. <laughs> the dog in its own seat. I don't know. Uh, interesting. But it's not, he just says he's a. a uh, a therapy dog. He's not really a therapy dog. No, of course. So anyway, uh, Belzer arranges for Jerry Lewis, who had a daughter the age of my daughters at the time, like 13, and uh, to have brunch on a Saturday morning at Fiorello's in the back room. Uh, again, I'm just – I can't believe I'm meeting these people because it's like – if I had thought as a kid in Miami, it's like me going to, you know, in the NASA program or something that I would ever get – these moments that be with these people that I absolutely worship. I had a, once I had to be rushed to the hospital um, because of Jerry. I told Jerry this story. And uh, we all, we had this brunch at Firo. Uh, I, I would get asthma. Whenever I would get extremely happy, I would have, I'd get blue and wet my pants and be rushed to the hospital. <laughs> Every birthday party, they'd bring, my mom would bring out the cake and the kids were there. And I'd be so happy. I'd just be so happy that I would uh, couldn't breathe, blackout, pants would be wet, rush it <laughs> up. I come back, my brothers are fighting over my presence and stuff. But um, one day, you know, with him and Dean, I'm watching, I'm like six or seven, they're still together, and they're at the ball game, and 
Jerry's eating peanuts, and he's with a beautiful chick, and this Jerry's watching uh-huh. the game, stuffing peanuts, and he gets he chokes, and he you know he grabs Dean, he shakes Dean, he's got, and he says, Dean, Dean, I got a peanut in my neck, and I thought that was in his neck, yeah. I have a peanut in my neck, yeah, <laughs> I got so laughing so hysterically, <laughs> I had to go, my doctor had to come over and give me adrenaline, really, <laughs> I told Jerry that story, he goes, yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, anyway, he was lovely. He was great. Well, Gilbert, you've met him, too. Oh, yeah. You've yes. met him a hundred times. See, I was hoping this story would and end. And then he says he had a coat. <laughs> yes. He had a double costume. I walked in, and there oh, was hey. Jerry Lewis. What do you want me to do? Wearing Donald O'Connor's <laughs> coat. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had thought of that. You you met him. You ran into him recently, didn't you, Gil? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into him, and I, I had the pleasure of saying he said, Gilbert, you Crazy cocksucker. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. It's, a, it's flattering. <laughs> Wish he had insulted me in that, man. Tell, tell us about seeing Jessel on the Queen Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert's. And you wanted, a wet, you wanted to mention Whit Bissell. I think now would be the time. Well, let me whip my Bissell for a minute. Because <laughs> Gilbert used to do Whit Bissell well, with a Jessel I'll do that. Bit. I love that. Oh, it's too long a bit. It, it would be kind of like your Donald yeah. O'Connor story. <laughs> yeah. I see. Yeah, I see what you mean. Thanks. You're right. Yeah. What was the Did question? I ever tell you about the time I was working with Donald O'Connor? <laughs> yeah. And he, he said, I, I've got a pair of shoes. i got a pair of shorts. Yes. <laughs> I wore in Bermuda Farewell yes. with Helen Klein <laughs> and Bill in Lundy. Bill Lundigan. And you know, Lundy would be... I saw oh, him the next day, and he didn't have the I shoes. I guess you're right. It doesn't really have an ending, does it? Well, it's a sad ending, but it's still an ending. Well, it's kind of a... Oh, I have another story. Can I tell okay. a story about... It's an, it's <laughs> you think it's <laughs> Yes, it's every bit as good. Why does every story have to end funny? Gilbert, <laughs> what's the matter with you? Now, this... I'm 12 years old. I'm taking acting. You are? Not now, not currently. But thank you. Uh, It's nice if you don't say that. Um, I have the I have the body of a twelve year old. It's under it's in my crawl space actually. But um, I'm taking acting lessons at twelve. I know I want to be in showbiz, and in Miami, in Coral Gables, there was a theater called the Studio M. And every year, Tennessee Williams would write these plays in Key West and bring them up to the Studio M and Coral and you know, kind of workshop them and stuff. Uh, Sweet Bird of Youth, all this stuff. And the woman who ran the theater was like a big shot in Miami in the, in the early 60s, big Ruth Foreman. And I'm the only kid in the acting class. They're all adults. And she says, next week, bring in a piece that really is meaningful for you. Could be anything. Could be anything. Now, at the time, I, I was just in love with the Jolson story with Larry Parks. Oh, my God. Crazy yes. about yes. it. Yes. Had the record... You know, I loved everything. I would just stay in my room and mime Larry Parks and imitate Larry Parks imitating George, <laughs> imitating Al Jolson. So I decided I'm going to mime. There's a rainbow around my shoulder and the sky blue above. Let it rain and storm. I'll keep warm because I'm in love. I did the whole move. I, up, I had every I'm 12. Chubby from the from the quarter zone. And I end up on one knee and I think this is going to kill. This is going to be great. I bring the record to Studio M. You know, other people got up and did scenes from Uncle Vanya and The Rainmaker and things. <laughs> All right, Tom, you're next. I go up. I give the guy the record, the Jolson record. He puts it, you know, the record, puts it on. Yeah. 
There's a rainbow around my shoulder and a sky blue above. You know, I do the whole thing. Let it rain and storm. I keep warm because I'm in love. And I get down on one knee. My arms are stretched out like Al Jolson, you know, in a mammy pose. And record's going like that. Guy takes it off. I'm still, my arms are stretched. She's in the front row, Ruth Foreman. Long pause. Doesn't say anything. Finally, I got to stand up, you know. She still doesn't say anything. Finally, she says, you know, all the Pete students are looking at her. What's she going to say? I'm 12 years old. And she goes, <sighs> record pantomime is the lowest form of show business. Wow. Oh. Which is not even true because ventriloquism is the lowest <laughs> form of show business. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's exactly it's not even what act- I told her. Hey, not even accurate. Did, did I think she... geek. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> under geek. Perfect. It's right under geek for sure. Even better than the Al Jolson story was Jolson sings, sings, again. sings again. But better than that is what you reminded me of, and I've looked it up on YouTube, the Eddie Cantor ending. Oh, my God, Which yes. Is, talk about surreal. Yeah, because Keith Brazell is playing him throughout the whole movie. That's when I applaud Keith Brazell. And, and yeah. then at the very end yes. is an old, depressed, sickly-looking Eddie Cantor. He just had a, a heart attack just when they said roll him. And, comes and, in. And I think... And his the, wife would look like Walter, you know, William Bendix with a wig. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they're watching <laughs> the movie, Bendix. the Eddie Cantor story. They're watching story. the movie that we just had to sit through. And and then she goes, uh, how, how are you, Eddie? And he goes, I, I've never felt better in my life. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I saw that, you reminded me of that one. Uh, it was suicidal. But, I, but also, what the hell's going on? Is he in the movie? Is that another guy? It's like when Eddie, oh, if I may, you remember the Eddie Duchin story? With oh, Tyrone yes. Power? Yeah, sure. Kim Novak with those great cans. Yes. And, so I was a kid when that came out, and I'm watching that. I loved it. You know, I, looked, I had the music by, oh, gosh, Carmen Cavallaro played the music, right? So I'm watching that movie, and at the end of it, we know he's going to die, Eddie Duchin. Yeah. You reading your mail? Frank, no. <laughs> just, just look, gas bill, man. looking for something to ask Whoa, you, buddy. Got gas bill, eighty nine ninety five. If this story, huh? If this story just is waiting for this story like to peter out, the Donald O'Connor story. Wait, I'm going to start reading well, my not, mail. It's not. It's not. I'm going to read my phone bill. I'm going to read my sad card. <laughs> so I'm why you know? So all the movie, he's he's dying for the whole movie, and he's doing and then he ignores his son for the whole movie. But at the end of it. He's in his grand Central Park apartment, and he has two pianos there, and he's playing piano with his son. But his son knows that Eddie Duchin's going to die any minute. So <laughs> he's playing piano with his son, and all of a sudden, Tyrone Powers, Eddie Duchin, kind of, he gets like, he, he obviously, he's getting sick. And his son, they cut to his son, is looking at him, and Eddie, he's missing notes on the keyboard, and they cut to his son again. And when they cut back, the doors are, oh, have swung open, there's wind coming in, and he's disappeared. And I thought to myself, what kind of what kind of god of <laughs> disease is this where your suit disappears? <laughs> All right. Sorry. Now, now also in the Eddie Cantor story, yes. some guy runs in to Eddie's apartment <laughs> with the most phony looking nose. Oh, I think it's a newspaper. Yeah. A phony looking big nose. Durante? Uh, yeah. And he's going. Hey, Eddie, ha-cha-cha. <laughs> like you said, ha-cha-cha all yeah, the time. in real life, yeah. all the time. But <laughs> the best part of the Al Jolson Sings Again is when Larry Parks 
as Larry Parks yes. meets Larry go. Parks as Al Jolson. It's Pirandello. <laughs> yeah, surreal. It's, it's wow. in, the, in the worst split screen effects ever. Wow. Off subject, fortunately. Um, I was thinking the other day, I woke up and I, you know how things come to you in there just as soon as you wake up? I thought, yes. you know how uh, Woody Allen used to have that bit, where, what he would think of to keep from coming, the baseball? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Come, keep from premature ejaculation. Yeah. yeah. I thought, what if, you know, you could also like imagine, you know, if you really had a problem with it, you had to go more than that. You could imagine Al, uh, Abin Costello fucking. <laughs> Well, Lou, our pal, Lou, our pal Drew Freeman. Give it to me. Give it to me, Lou. <laughs> Give it to me, Lou. Split me in half, Lou. Split me in half, Lou. Blow the chip. Blow the gorilla, Lou. Split me in half, Lou. Ha, 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 chick. Now look what you did, Lou. You broke the condom. Hey, look. Okay. I've I've said this in a few of the podcasts already, and I don't care. My favorite death scene. Yes. Can it get hotter in here? I feel no. like Alec, Gin- We're gonna- Alec Guinness in the <laughs> He's in that box. <laughs> the rich of my, yeah, my favorite, we'll wrap it up in a minute. Little box they put him in. My favorite too is death Thank you, scene yeah. of all time yes. is in the button loose story. Oh, yes, Remember? I know. You With, told me that. Oh, I love yes. that. With Tell it again. Yeah, okay. No, okay. tell again. So, uh, uh, Buddy but also your, but your beef always was that yes. Buddy Hackett his time was so slow as well. Yeah. Awful. Oh, Bad timing. Was, yeah. What's the guy's name on Do you think they said that we, we're short? Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, stretch. Yeah, stretch, yeah. So, he's lying in the hospital bed after a heart attack, and Artie Johnson from Laughing is his agent. <laughs> Eddie Sherman. Yeah. Yeah, and he goes very interesting, and and he goes, uh, and Artie reaches under his jacket and takes out a strawberry malted, and he goes, "This is because you are a good boy," because all the time he's going, "I'm a bad boy." Give me so, your cock, Lou. Yes, I'm so a bad boy. Okay. He takes yeah. a sip. He's in the hospital bed, very weak. Buddy Hackett, as Lucas Stell takes a sip. Of this, and he goes, you know, Eddie, I had a lot of strawberry maltage in my day, <laughs> but this one's the best. And he closes his eyes and dies. It's <laughs> brilliant. It's just like Camille. You think that like Eddie put something in there? <laughs> just to get out of the movie? Just so the movie would end? Yeah. We, we have to wrap it up, but... Oh, no. oh, I got, more, I I got more stories. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I am... <laughs> And then, but then, I got more, I got even worse. Already, Duchin. Then, yeah. when you think he's dead, yeah. he opens his eyes again. And goes, did I ever tell you when I met Donald O'Connor? Oh, get out of here! <laughs> How dare he you? Gave me his. That's another callback. He, pro- he promised to send me the key to the show. Now you've written some classic television episodes, you, which I know our <laughs> listeners would are, are Seinfeld fans. You wrote the Babu episode of Seinfeld, I Baba Bot, the, the cafe, cafe, and, and, and uh, the suicide, Drake's see, cakes one, and, and the Drake's cakes, JF one. Kennedy, uh, J- Kennedy assassination. I uh, was one of the writers on that, and, and you know contributed. And the Cheever letters with Cheever with, letters, uh, yeah. with Kramer. Yeah, my mother. I also wrote other series. My mother, the chimp. Now, when oh. you were on <laughs> a bridge for Jimmy, yep, remember that? I, sure. I heard when you were a writer on Seinfeld. 
that Seinfeld one time said to you, you know, I have a jacket. No! <laughs> How dare you? Fucking, I'm kind of fat now. Yeah, but you and know, one thing you, Jerry did like, though, I would, do a, I would do a bit for Jerry and Larry where I, I sort of perfected it. It was an actor coming in to read for a role, and he's reading the role, and he accidentally farts during the reading. <laughs> And it's all the network executives and the women and the secretaries are there. And he's so embarrassed reading it that he has a stroke and the left side of his face and body are paralyzed. And he has to drag himself with just the drool out of it and going at the end, uh, will you be calling my agent? I'm a Just because he farted, he's so embarrassed, he he was he had a grand mal seizure. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I want to plug your book mm. before we go. Thank you. Which you can still find on Amazon. Milton Marty, the longest lasting and least successful comedy writing duo in showbiz history. With art by cover art by the great cover Drew, art by our old pal, our Drew, pal Friedman. Drew Friedman. And it's a hilarious book. Thank and you, you can Frankie. still get it on Amazon. And Gilbert, where are you appearing? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> okay. After this, <laughs> it's over. I'll be doing my one-man show called "My Meeting with Donald." Listen, O'Connor. any of these stories you want to use, <laughs> anyone, they're yours, if my friend. If I may, right now. One time, I was working with Donald O'Connor. <laughs> just say that. Corrigible, wasn't he? <laughs> well, I wouldn't encourage him. You want to take us out on the uh, George Jessel story? Oh yeah, real quick. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm working on a, a special with Rob Reiner, Chris yes. Guest, and Harry Scherer. Actually, just to interject, the TV show. The was TV that, show. And was that the first appearance of Spinal Tap? Yeah, very first appearance of Spinal Tap. Paul Schaefer tells me Harry Shearer hates me. I, anyway, oh, yeah. we. Uh, <laughs> He's well, saying, how am I supposed to say to that? You know, I have no, Harry hates you. Harry he hates really everyone. Hates you. Oh, okay. If Harry doesn't hate you, you had a problem. Yeah. He was nice to me. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I rest it, my case. I don't know what it is, Gil. <laughs> yeah, rest my case. So we hear, so we hear, that, we hear that someone runs and goes, "Hey guys, you guys are like this." Uh, George Jessel is doing an afternoon show at four in the afternoon. <laughs> like, okay, great time, <laughs> great time to appear at a uh, in the in the theater at the at the Queen Mary, which is now in Dry Dock in in uh, Long Beach, but it's it was already like three. And he's going on at 4.30. And we're in, you know, we're in the valley. You know? <laughs> right. So you go, well, don't we have to write the rest of the show? Fuck that. George Jessel's appearing in the Queen. Yeah. So we drive so fast. Who is it? You, Reiner? And... Reiner, Harry, Chris Guest. Uh-huh. That was it. Okay. Uh, maybe somebody else. I don't remember. So we get there. We run up the gangplank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got like the, the end you... of like uh, on the town, the free sailors yeah, yeah. Going, on the town. We're gonna have some comedy, you know. And we get in there, we go to the grand ballroom of the uh, Queen Mary now, and there's three old women, you know, with oxygen and yes, yes. the tanks and everything. <laughs> and we go right down. And we're in time. Thank God, we're in time. You know, we drove like maniacs. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Georgie Jessel, the Toastmaster General. He's wheeled out in a wheelchair, and he's wearing the Eisenhower jacket with the medals and the tube with his price tag still on it. You know, that one. Oh, God. Turned to the right. You know, the the tube tube is facing. (laughs) Oh, jeez. The tube is facing to the side. Every time he turns his head, the tube stays in the same place, but he turns his head. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. And And he started doing these. Bits and like we just couldn't believe it. He's and he did Hello Mama. You remember oh, Hello, yeah. Ma- Hello Mama? Hello Mama. So Georgie Jess was 97 <laughs> and he's doing a phone call to his mama. 
How about Mama? And, and Mama's trying to make him go out with a girl, a daughter of one of her friends. And he's going, with teeth, trying to keep the teeth in. Just keeping the teeth in was already a major. There's a, there's a thing called glue for the head. He put the glue from the hair on his teeth and then whatever. And he goes, hello, Mama. What Mama? Mama, I don't want to meet it. What Mama? I don't want to meet a young girl, Mama. What Mama? <laughs> Ninety-seven years in the middle, and the Eisenhower jacket, you know. Sure. So, what, Mama? I'm not going to come over to Mrs. Uh, Rybowitz's house and meet her yet. What? No, Mama. And so finally, he does all that stuff, and we're just. And he's always got the eye dripping, you know. He's got oh, the yeah. drip. It's the eye. The eye is dripping some kind of like viscous, some kind of viscous some fluid. Goo. Just God yeah. knows what. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know what, like fluid from like any cancer fluid is coming out of his eyes. And at the end of the show, and we're like pulverized, just not la- trying not to laugh and just can't believe our good fortune. And finally goes, well, you know what time it is now, ladies and gentlemen? Four- now there's only like one woman died. The other two have, are, on, uh, are being frozen. The other two women are being frozen. And he says, and he says take this chair away. Take it away. And the we hear this music, and it's uh, your grand old flag. He stands up and goes, Oh, you're a grand old flag. And he's standing up there like, <laughs> Oh, teetering. God, Lord. Lord. Flying flag. And, and it was, you know, that's no way either. Did, did he do... Um... He gave me his Eisenhower jacket. Oh, oh really? Yes, yes. <laughs> See? No, I brought it all the way around. It would have been better if you said... <laughs> And then he said, you know, I have a jacket here from Donald O'Connor. I wore in the USO show with Kay May Questel. Did Donald <laughs> O'Connor make Questel who was uh, Betty, Betty Boop? Betty Boop, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Georgie Jessel, did he do it? One bright oh, yeah, and yeah, shining light. Of course, right. And we all went like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah. All right. We used to do a thing. We'd go to see... Like our, uh, our gang of guys, you know, you're part of it too. Where you go, mm-hmm. we went to see oh. this guy, Nicky Donetti, who did a show called The Playography. Oh, the, ever, the Bad Entertainment Nights. Yeah, Bad, uh, bad Entertainment Nights. There's this guy, Nicky Donetti, who did a who did a, an evening of, of Frank Sinatra's life called The Playography. <laughs> this is in a Chinese <laughs> restaurant in Dallas. <laughs> Harry Shears says, I'm going to give him five minutes. We're going to go see this guy, Nicky Donetti, do Sinatra, The Playography. Now, the first time we saw it, of course, we saw it many times after that, there was other people in it. There was a guy playing a woman who would play all the parts, like uh, uh, what was her name, the no chin woman who, the the, the columnist, oh, Katie oh, Kilgallen, Katie, yes, Katie, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Dorothy Kilgallen, Dorothy Kilgallen, and then finally there was a whole thing where he wouldn't pay anybody. So the next time we went to see, it was just him doing all the lines. Okay, that's it. No, no ending. And he ended up he ended up managing Sly Stallone, a uh, Sly Stone. <laughs> Oh, Sly Stone, now, Sly Stone. Stone is Nikki he Nanetti. living out on the street now? That's what I heard. Um, probably, I hope is he alive? Even yeah, he's alive. Well, he's, he's got Sly the whole Stone. family stone. Can't they take them in? Take him in. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a whole family stone to ask to. I heard with. sometimes he puts on an artificial nose and goes ha cha 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 cha. Now Eddie, dink a dink. Oh, come on, Jimmy, stop that. You're not on stage now. Inka dinka dinky. I took out Eddie, Jimmy Durante's daughter once. You did? Yeah. Real quick. She <laughs> gave me blow. Imagine oh, Jimmy Durante's daughter gave me blow. And, True and story. I heard when you... Thought, you think it would be a lot because Jimmy now... Durante had a big nose. <laughs> now. <laughs> Not that I took the blow. 
when you were when you were fucking her. I didn't. Did, hey, I never said did, that. Did she go? Ha cha 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 cha. What dinky dinky do? I, I don't Everybody think it, tries to get into I, my cunt. Stop the man. <laughs> Stop the semen. Stop the semen. Oh, oh good fun. deteriorated good again. Fun. Tell, tell us real quick what Gene Balow said to you at the Friars Club when you asked he him how said, he was doing. Goodbye, Mrs. Calabay. <laughs> Where the, gra- the, the great Gene Balos. Lou, put it in, Lou. <laughs> I'm a bad oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Paul Shea, you know Gene Bellis, the comedian. Sure, comedian. sure. Yes, Paul Gilbert's Schaefer a fan. Went in yes. there one day to to have lunch at the Friars, and <laughs> we go. Gene Bellis is there, and, and Paul says to Gene Bellis, "Hey, Gene, how you doing?" He says, "Not good, Paul. I just came from the doctor's. He put a glass tube in my prick." <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to know, Gene. The golden years. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, you, well can't, you can't top that. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> we've been talking to Is the engineer still here? Did Frank go home? We've been talking to Tom Lee and Paul. Garrett Nutmeg Post. Uh, and thank you. Guest of Frank V. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, uh, Nutmeg. I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And Tom Leopold is going to uh, come back another time and tell us parts he left out of the Donald of Potter's I, I left, story. like, the real good funny crap out of it. No, I'll just come back and tell you the really funny crap that I forgot. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you, guys. I love, love you. Love you, too. Love you back. Love you back.